Hi, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number five of the Yacking podcast, where we talk about life, business, and more. And we are bringing you tips and ideas for a changing world. And it's really changing right at the moment. So we have another interesting guest for you today. And I'm going to hand over to Kathleen to introduce her. Hi, Kathleen, over to you. Hello, Peter, and welcome, everyone. Yes, um, we do have an interesting guest today. I'd like to introduce everyone to Vesna Leonard. She is the co-founder of Works For You. It is a software testing company, and she, in fact, works with companies from all over the world. We will provide the contact information at the end of this podcast. But we also had a previous uh, interview with Vesna a few days ago where she talked a little bit about her nomadic lifestyle with her family and we thought today we'd like to do a deeper dive into what that means and how she got involved in this nomadic lifestyle with her entire family so Vesna tell us how did you how did this all come about and how did it work for you uh, thank you very much, Kathleen. Um, well, it's still kind of going, so <laughs> we've just kind of slowed down. It, it started with another crisis, um, as I mentioned before, uh, 2008 um, kind of hit, so it was on the heels of that. My husband, Mike, was uh, trying to grow his financial planning business, um, and that was kind of up and down. And there were good months, and then there were not so great months where the mortgage was kind of tight, and uh, and we know what happened after 2008. Uh, so I had had our third, um, and I started uh, myself to to work for a couple of companies remotely um, in Toronto for some um, basically piecework uh, software testing. Um, Mike became interested in that, and we started kind of growing the company ourselves. We were all we were working remotely, the two of us. Um, but you know, mortgage again was still there and, and living in Southern Ontario is just kind of a, like that, you know, hamster wheel. And we had heard about a gentleman in the States who, um, who took his family on the road in an RV. So I, I don't know, we just made a snap decision one day and took five months to sell absolutely everything we owned, um, and put a few small things in a tiny little storage locker, like memorabilia, kitchen stuff. And I uh, hit the road in January of 2011 with a tent trailer uh, headed across to the U.S. And, and spent the winter in warmth. Um, there were a lot of uh, vehicle breakdowns, a lot of terrifying moments. Um, we grew our business while we were doing this. Um, I learned how to sell and market slowly. Um, we came back and sold the tent trailer took that money and, and bought tickets to, to Serbia, to Europe, and spent a lot of time there with a few more RV trips in between. Wow. Condensed version, but there's a lot. We lived in Hawaii. We lived in Costa Rica. There's like a lot there, but. <laughs> I, I'm going to jump in quick, if I may, being, being a, a sort of hands-on sort of guy. What size vehicle did you use to tow your tent trailer? Was it a pickup or a truck or a car or a van? Or? It was a Kia. Sedona? Sedona. Okay. okay. And we actually shipped that vehicle. It's in Europe right now. We shipped it to have it for road trips in, in Europe. Wow. That's quite something. Really yeah. good. So, just tell us a little bit more, more about Hawaii. How did the Hawaii bit go? Did you take the vehicle to Hawaii? 
No, so we stored, uh, this was our second trip. So we had returned back from Europe. Uh, we were there for 18 months and we returned okay. back. We purchased a Winnebago. Uh, okay. uh, so we drove to California and we parked it um, uh, in, a, in a lot there and flew to Hawaii and lived there for a few months on the big island in a hippie village very life-changing and if borders were different I would be there right now <laughs> so sounds good sounds good now you said children and I know when we spoke before you were talking about what you used the term world schooling tell us a bit yes. about how you kept the education system going on the road Right. So um, I started off with the mentality because I knew some homeschoolers in the past. So I, I don't kind of use that term because for me, that's more strict schooling. Um, and so I started off with that and found how stressful it was for our oldest. Um, he was really keen on on the specifics of getting a grade and all the rest of it. So after about a month or so, I really tossed that idea and I used the Canadian curriculum um, books from from chapters and in Indigo. And we literally, we would do one page from uh, a chosen subject each day uh, with each kid. It would take 15, 20 minutes, not even. Um, and that's it. The rest of it was learning, you know, when we're on the road in the RV, learning in the national parks, um, you know, visiting some cities, but we're not really North American city people. We like European cities. So we spent a lot of time uh, in national parks and, and learning the histories of that. And then when, whenever we were in places like Hawaii, Costa Rica, whatever, Europe, we would learn the languages, um, you know, the local languages, and we would learn the histories from the people themselves, just spending enough time there to actually be immersed, not like a two week vacation or whatever. Wow. Uh, and we learned, like, it wasn't just the kids, we learned through the children, we learned things that obviously we'd never known and just through their eyes was amazing. Actually, that was going to be my next question to you, Vesna, is just, uh, I've known uh, a couple of other ladies who's, who, who've done that with their families. They, um, I, I know one in particular who worked in the corporate world. She and her husband had some good jobs and had a really good income, but were miserable. And they yeah. decided this one day that they were going to sell everything. And uh, they also had three children and decided to just, just leave it all, sell it all, and just travel the world with their children. And I just, I just remember people thinking how brave of them to do something like that, how <laughs> courageous. But also, it just got me to thinking, these children would be growing up with you know, it's so enlightened us to other cultures and because they've have having experienced it firsthand, uh, yeah. not learning about those cultures in, in a history book. I'd yeah. be interested in knowing, you know, through the, uh, the eyes of your children, what did you learn from that? Like what experiences did they take out of it? Yeah, I think for them, it, it feels normal because they're young, like the, the youngest was two and a half when we left. Um, and I think, that part was normal for all of us. I think the the biggest thing was our cross Canada trip and learning about parts of Canada that we, you know, it's kind of the same culture ish, but still very different going to all the territories and, you know, like just everywhere that was huge. But for them just going to a new place, going to a new country, um, it was like a blank slate. I think I can't speak for them. And, but it was the same thing. Let's find the grocery store. Let's find out how to say these things, how to get, you know what I mean? And then let's figure out what the history is like, who the locals are, that kind of thing. 
but also um, to your point about uh, your, your friend, a lot of people have the misconception that, oh, you need a lot of money for this. Honestly, you get rid of the mortgage and your stuff. It's a lot cheaper to live like this when you're staying in a place for a few months at a time and paying like local prices or a year or whatever um, than it is to actually like live here. And we paid off 20 years of debt by being on the road. Wow. Um, yeah. Remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah, you know, I, can, I can imagine. I, I did a trip to Portugal and Spain late last year. I, I walked part of the Camino de Santiago and I lived for 12 days on a budget of 25 euros a day. Okay, it was just me, uh, but, but I, I couldn't believe that I could do that. And it, it Absolutely. worked. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 When you don't have that kind of, and I'm going to say Ontario because that's all I know, but that kind of North American Ontario lifestyle, it's, yeah, it's absolutely doable. We, could, we were able to give the kids, you know, something simple like swimming lessons, guitar lessons, drum lessons, just stuff like that, that mm -hmm. we wouldn't or couldn't do here, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and I, was, uh, I was just going to ask you, Vesna, in terms of the work that you were doing, and of course, because you are working remotely with these companies, how were you able to find a routine in, in uh, engaging in, in business every day with, with these businesses so that you can keep on, you can keep on working? Yeah. So honestly, we would just, and the kids got into the routine as well. And that's, they also learned that they learned about the business. They learned about the marketing. They learned about everything. They went to us or with us to like police stations to get our visas done to, you know, consulates mm -hmm. to lawyers offices when we purchased land, like all that stuff. They did a lot of adult stuff. And the routine was usually um, based on what our clients needs were. Uh, so if they needed to get a, a build out and I knew we really had to crunch down, you know, for that whole day, then the kids, you know, did this or Mike and I would pass off who's working, who's being with the kids. Um, but it, it was really, uh, organic and, and it changed sometimes from day to day. It wasn't solid, but we also did work seven days a week, you know, 10 plus maybe 16 hours a day, depending um, so, you know, it's not just fun and travel. We were working each time we held meetings under overpasses, uh, on the side of the highway <laughs> exactly. or, you know, in the jungle in Costa Rica. So that's very common with entrepreneurs, isn't it? You, yeah. you have, you know, it's not like you're in the corporate world where you're working a nine to five jobs as entrepreneurs. Yeah. We tend to put in a lot more hours than, than we would if we worked uh, for somebody else. So yeah, completely get that. Yeah. I'm going to throw in a quick one that wasn't on what, what I intended, but it's something that's been triggered by what you're saying. Um, Vesna, your oldest, I, I think from the timeline you've been talking about, your oldest child has probably finished schooling now? Uh, he will be 18 this year. He only started high school in grade 10. So he has, I think, four or five credits left that he will start in September just to do those credits and then and head off to university. Has has the experience of being on the road for so long and this type of schooling given him a clearer idea of what he wants to do with his life? I believe so. So he's actually wanting to go into engineering. He was also the one who headed up building a forge to smelt metal um, and uh, a boat out of water bottles in Serbia that he could sit in and row across a lake. So. Um, I think having that opportunity to do those things, which again, we wouldn't have done either financially or time-wise here in Ontario, hopefully helped him 
um, do that. Good, good. I'm going to throw in a little personal experience of that, that I lived in South Africa for a lot of my life. And when my eldest son was 18, he was lucky. He was uh, academically very good, did well at school. So I said, right, you better go to university. He said, Dad, I don't want to waste your money. I have absolutely no idea of what I want to do. And I don't want to waste your money. I want to go around the world. So I said, that's fine, but you need something. So I put him in a commercial college for a year, management and marketing. And then he worked for me. I had my own business. He worked for me. So I put him on a bus and I sent him north to Zimbabwe, the next country, 18 years old. Uh, my brother lent him a car and he then drove to the next company, next country, 2,000 kilometers north, Zambia, to supervise loading of a, an export cargo I was bringing in. And I'd said to him, when you come back through the border, they'll give you a hard time because you're a young white guy. You're going to be driving a car. They'll suspect you're running drugs. Just keep your cool. Cut a long story short, he did all that, no problem. And years later, he now lives in Canada, of course. So when he was in his 40s, he said, Dad, you know, that was the best education you could have given me. Oh. It was worth more than any university. degree." So I, I hear what you're saying about your children. So that's, that's enough about me. Um, <laughs> Kathleen, awesome. you, you got another question for Vesna? Oh, my goodness. It's just I, I'm intrigued by and just <laughs> blown away, really, at what you've been able to accomplish, Vesna, because I think your children are probably going to look back on that experience mm -hmm. as just oh, just a once in a lifetime experience that they've had over what other kids have you know so good for you for having done that um is there anything else you can share with our listeners and viewers about that experience and is there anything that what was the hardest part of this experience all of it <laughs> it you know what it's just as difficult as it is to be here and do that whole grind. Um, it's just in a different way, but you get to, you get to see so much more that pulls you out of it. So even though you're still doing the grind and you're still terrified when uh, projects end and nothing else is on the horizon, you know, what do we do? We band together as a family, etc. cetera. Um, it, we, we never set off to travel. That wasn't it. We set off to kind of escape, uh, whatever the mortgage and, and stuff. And especially the first trip when we ran into, um, retirees and people who, uh, were doing this after a scare, after a health scare, one of them had a stroke or a heart attack and they've decided to do it. All of them were massively inspirational in telling us, do this while you're young, do this while the kids are young and keep going. Don't stop. Cause this was only supposed to be for a couple of months. And now it's addictive. Like it honestly, it's like, I can't stay in one place. I mean, now obviously we have to, and, and health is the most important thing right now. But, um, but yeah, staying in one place is, is tough, but a lot of it was hard. <laughs> I find it rather interesting that in all of the, you know, you're not the first person who's, who's gone through this and that I've heard of. And in all of the circumstances, in all of those situations, none of them have come back and said, oh my gosh, I would never have done that. They've yeah, no. all said the opposite. They've all yeah. said, no regrets. It was none. one of the most um, inspirational experiences we could have put our family through. So, yeah. Yeah. And we, we don't want to be here. Like we're only here for the kids. Like we came here temporarily and that was just a trial for a few weeks, but the kids liked it for, for high school and university. Um, but our plan like we still have all our stuff there in an apartment that we're planning on buying so like that's all in europe and we want to go back like we're not done <laughs> yeah. you know if everything yeah. else, if everything else goes well obviously but 
One of, the, one of the big, I know what you're saying. One of the biggest things I heard on my pilgrimage in Portugal and Spain, and there were many people older than me, sort of 70s and even some in their 80s, and just about everyone said, I'm enjoying this so much. I wish I'd done it years ago when I was young, so I could have walked further than I'm walking now. So yes. that was a big message, you know, don't wait, get on and do it sort of thing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> talking about staying in one place, I had a question for you. With your experience, and you are more knowledgeable now than a lot of people, the current corona scare with so many people stuck at home or working remotely and wondering what to do. Do you think this is going to have a big impact on how commuting and schooling are going to change in North America and Europe? Well, I certainly hope so. Now, I don't know about Europe because they're really, really strict with their schooling and, and their schooling is um, way more intense, in my opinion, anyway, than we I've have here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very. And, and watching the kids just even spend almost a year there was was interesting um but i've been pushing this since we started this and and since um it really changed our lives in in ways we totally didn't expect like i said this was not supposed to be like a travel thing um and i've been talking to businesses and and trying to get them especially here in ontario they really want butts and seats uh the u.s is a little more, more open and has had fully remote teams for a while um, and I think now I'm hearing from clients and from other people, oh, this isn't as you know difficult as we thought. And, and work from home is very different from fully remote. So it's mm -hmm. a whole different mentality. And I think they're starting to kind of see that, oh, we don't have expenses of, you know, whatever, the, the building and the machines or like whatever expenses are different. Um, and definitely less, but also people have so much more focus um, working in an environment that they're comfortable in, um, as well as, I don't know, like I said, opening it up to more talent uh, that might not be as accessible, you know, to a big city or to transit or, or whatever. Um, I really hope it makes a change, especially for the working world. Uh, in terms of education, education has been online both for elementary and high school here in Ontario for years. I myself did uh, um, TLC, I think, I can't remember what it was called, uh, ILC, so Independent Learning Center back in high school where we just got a stack of papers and books and spoke on the phone to the teacher. That's been around for forever. Um, and why it hasn't been, you know, looked at more thoroughly here, I really don't know. And I do hope that changes because, again, you can reach a wider audience. You can, they, they will learn so much more than wasting their time making the trip to school and mm -hmm. the breaks and the lunch and so much more effective and efficient, I really think. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope it takes off both work and school because of the, positive and beneficial effect on the environment of all those cars and not commuting. And, yeah. and we're hearing all these stories about birds coming back and what was it, dolphins in the canals in uh, Venice and things yes. like that. So has to be good. My only concern is so many people buying throwaway plastic bottles of water from the supermarket. That's the right. downside. Need right. to sort that out. Uh, yeah, yeah, wonderful. So quick one. We've got a couple of minutes left, and I'm sure Kathleen will still have something to ask you. One that interests me, and I've just, as I said, come back from Europe, for Canadians or, or people in the USA, North Americans in general, who've never been to Europe and, and who want to start, where, where would you suggest they started? Which country would be a good start for them to, to live a nomadic lifestyle? 
That's interesting. So there are a lot of nomadic groups actually um, that I think on Facebook and elsewhere now, like there was a really small portion of us back 10, 10 ish years ago. Mm -hmm. And now it's really kind of exploded. So people are actually planning it. Um, and there are so many factors um, and, and you can get a lot of information from people who are in those countries right now um, who will tell you, you know, Prague has this and this and you're able to find a job there or you can work remotely doing this. Like so many ideas coming from the nomadic community in general um, that it, it's all individual. And you might think that country is great for you until you show up there and then you think oh no wait maybe this one because each one is great for certain things sure. not everyone not none of them have everything you want um but a lot kind of look at more eastern europe-ish first of all it's an expensive um Secondly, there are big expat communities everywhere um, and nomad communities that will help you out uh, with visas, with like whatever, you name it, um, it's all there. Uh, and it all depends on what you're, you're looking for. Um, Did you have to do a lot of uh, research before going into these countries uh, so that you knew this information ahead of time before uh, bringing the family there? Yeah, well, we did. It was hard. And it, like 2010-11 was very difficult kind of to, to do that research. And, and the group uh, wasn't there to help. Um, so you had to learn the language. You had to figure things out. You had to get a translator. Other countries don't have that or most other countries don't have. So that little thing could really bite you and you don't sure. even know it. Well, that's a great tip. So big now that, that, but that was then. I don't even know. Maybe it changed, you know, but those were archaic laws that didn't include the internet and internet work. So, you know, I, I'll throw a caveat in there right now. <clears throat> and then I would warn viewers who are thinking of traveling through the U S and working remotely to check out those regulations because New York and a couple of other States have clamped down on who can be considered an independent contractor and, and many professionals who up till now have been working as independent contractors are now treated as employees and the company gets really? fined. Yep. If the company doesn't give them benefits and all sorts of things, they get fined. If if the individual contractor or independent contractor is not incorporated, they will have to be very careful of their status. Just a warning to anyone watching yes. this video to to check out what you do. You don't want to get into trouble. Mm -hmm. Thanks for yes. that tip. That was a good tip, isn't it? Kathleen, back to you. All right, how are we doing for time, Peter? We're running on 23 minutes, so we've got maybe one or two minutes we need to close down. All right. Uh, anything else, Vesna? Any other tips? I mean, that was a wonderful tip about the U.S. and yeah. obtaining a visa. Is there anything else <laughs> in any other country that you've traveled in that uh, something stood out and you went, uh-oh, we should have known this? Or anything else that would be a great tip for our viewers? I'm just, I mean, there's so many, I can't even, because we'd bought land in two countries as well. So there, there was a lot involved in, in learning it. But um, again, I think it's individual and what your needs are and, and what you're doing, but definitely like research everything because you don't know what's legal, what's not legal from country to country. Um, and just, well, I, I don't know, off the top of my head, it's kind of silly, but the roads in Costa Rica during the rainy season. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and just coming to the end of the line on Google Maps that looks like it's a road that goes through but now has a massive river that you have to wade through to see if it you know comes past your waist and, and can, your car that you bought can actually make it. Like Things like that are just 
then you have to turn around and drive six hours to get back to another road. Like there's so much and you just have to not assume that it's where you're from. You know, there are so many differences everywhere. Even in English speaking countries, like whatever the UK, there's so many differences that you need to, to figure out (laughs) (laughs) and to make sure you're doing things legally. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Fesna. Kathleen, do you want to close it up and leave some contact details for our, our viewers and listeners? Yes, Vesna, maybe you can share with our listeners and viewers your uh, contact details, so your website, and if they want to reach you <clears throat> directly, how they can do that. Yes, that'd be great. So yeah, our website, not very well kept up, but it's worksforyou.com, W-O-R-X, number four, Y-O-U.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Fasna Leonard, the only one there. Um, message me, reach out. Um, and other than that, I think that's it. <laughs> I could give my email, but that goes right through LinkedIn anyway. So <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. This was fabulous. And uh, we will see you next time. Thank you very much. Well, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.